Hello and welcome to a brand new installment of Nintendo News Report for Wednesday, August 2nd, 2017. I'm Alex Kloppy, joined today by two people who are regularly or semi-regularly on Nintendo News Report. That is one Donald Terrio. Um, I'm not necessarily looking for $13 million a year, but I am looking for a new job. So, <laughs> are, are you allowed sorry, to tell us? Yeah, me too. Are you allowed to tell us what the story is behind that? Uh, basically, national restructuring basically meant that my position got eliminated. Yeah. I got laid off, essentially. Yeah. So uh, that, that makes two of us in the last few months, which is, it, it's it's a rough time. To, Don't uh, fucking to be jinx it for me, guys. <laughs> Shit. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're looking at three people who are all too familiar with what it means to be laid off from a position. Uh, yep. Two of which primarily writers for a living, and then one Donald, uh, <laughs> which I don't is mean that, in a minute. That's, that's what, what would, Donald? What was your job? I, I Donald uh, from here. Uh, <laughs> I I was well. I was basically literally telling people where to go and how to get there for the last couple of years. The verb to Donald, yeah. <laughs> which is exactly your role on the show Nintendo News Report. I might add. Uh, also joined by director. Neil Ronahan. Hi. It's been what, like two or three weeks. Two or back three weeks. though. Yeah. Um, my dog's being very cute, sleeping right there, but you can't see it. Is is it doing a little little one of these? All right, all right screw it, screw it. We're we're going on the. <laughs> now she's all pissed off. But <laughs> it's so Put defiant. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it weird how dogs know when you're taking a picture of them, and then they like avoid the camera at all costs? Yep. Yeah. Nah. And she doesn't seem that concerned. Now, now, now her eyes are shutting again. Right. Right. She's a good pup. Yeah, there's a lot of news that dropped in the last 48 hours, and I thought this was going to be a slow week. Ha <laughs> ha! Little did I know. Nintendo of America announced the actual pre-order plans for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Classic Mini. Uh, on their social media, happening later this month. Yeah, and this time they actually have plans for pre-orders. Yeah, in in some capacity. Although, I'm very curious whether it's going to be telegraphed at all, or whether Amazon's going to say anything the day before, or whether they're just going to drop at 9.45 p.m. Eastern. Now, for Amazon, it tends to be more like uh, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, to to screw over the central time zone, basically, Mm -hmm. because they're the ones going home from work at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. But I suspect we'll we'll probably get some notice from from Amazon. I know Target put up their page today. Um, Walmart. Uh, I don't think they're making that mistake again, though. They're probably they're probably going to wait till what the last possible moment before they actually put their well. Page I think back up. I heard that Amazon is is um they're doing a it, it's going to be a weird like cross promotion thing. Um, on September 29th, there's going to be an actual uh, Player Unknowns Battlegrounds um, at Amazon at, at Amazon uh, buildings across the country, <laughs> um, where they're just going to drop the Super Nintendos from the sky or the Super Nintendo classes from the sky, um, and then and then they'll film it, and it'll be on. It'll be on the Amazon streaming service. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and they're they're doing. I that mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward five. to the show. Um, David Fincher is involved, so it should be really well shot. <laughs> um, it's, uh, what, what's it called? Battle Royale. Battle Royale. <laughs> Super, Super Nintendo Royale. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, watch a bunch of guys die for Star Fox 2. 
Yeah. <laughs> as long as we're all scalpers, I'm perfectly fine with this. How, how did you die, Star Fox Two? I just, I just, I just pictured like John Raritan in war paint, just going on being like, I have to get this. <laughs> so do John and Justin buddy up at that point? Yeah, I mean, I'd watch that movie. <laughs> like, it sounds real good. John and Justin trying to trying to take down scalpers in in Super Nintendo Battle Royale. Their greatest enemy may just be each other. <laughs> There's only one left. Oh no! All the other ones are broken. <laughs> this is the only Star Fox Two left. What will happen? <laughs> oh, we know what'll happen. The ROM will get extracted from the system, and it'll be up on the internet by the time uh, by the time they get home. No, I'm pretty sure the way that ends is one of them kills the other one. Yeah, so I, I <laughs> no doubt I'm kind of thinking which one I would bet on because I I, I would I think Raritan wants it more. Yeah, and he's taller. <laughs> I think. I think he's got the he's got as the la, as last last Saturday showed. If you have a height and reach advantage, you're gonna win ninety nine times out of a hundred. Then I think Barubi Barubi might be the the better money. Uh, wait, who's like, like I, I will I, say this: Raritan Raritan is a man who carries himself very tall. He's actually very short. So, but he has he has a ponytail, which makes him a yeah. wild card. And I think he grow, he grows far better facial hair than Baruby. Yeah, so. but that means that Raritan has a lower center of gravity, which which yeah. could work to his advantage. Yeah. So, are, are we going to spend we'll the next the twenty legs. minutes <laughs> anticipating a death match between two of our main uh, video people? That's fine. <laughs> or um, maybe maybe you know what? In the battle of Raritan versus Baruby, I think Jared wins. I don't know how, but he was filming it the whole time. Jared always wins. <laughs> we should talk about something relevant. No, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we're talking about pre-orders for the uh, SNES Classic. I'm, I hope I can get one. I hope I can pre-order one easily. But I don't want to pay attention to Twitter that constantly in the hopes of getting one. It's going to be It's gonna be mayhem. I was at a wedding when the Walmart one went up. And like... I was ready to do it. <laughs> they all sold out. Like I checked my phone and was like, "Oh shit!" Like I, I'm getting out my credit card, like ready to go. And then they'd already sold out, and the, the page was down. But that's, that's why I'm glad I've got all my all my information saved. Although I don't know if I'll be able to use it now. But um, yeah, just basically, Alex, what I would do: sign up for push notifications from Wario 64. Yeah, yeah, maybe I will do that. I really want it. But as I think about it, I, I have to decide whether I want these twenty ROMs or I want a uh, the eighty dollars instead. More considering I just moved from unemployed to underemployed, uh, so, so so I have I have to decide uh, how much of my livelihood a SNES Classic well, is actually worth. I mean, let's put it this way. Uh, well, first off, I I, and I guess this is maybe a discussion to go into later. I'm reasonably confident. Well, I do think that September 29th is going to be a disaster. I think that, like, come November, this will be considerably easier to, than the NES Classic ever was uh, mm -hmm. to find. Um, also, if you're if you're unemployed or underemployed, if you can spare the eighty dollars, and then you still don't have a job when the thing comes out in September, you can easily flip it for probably double at a at a minimum. That's true. That's so true. this is an investment, boys. <laughs> I'd be losing money not to buy one. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, pre-order everywhere. No, no, don't do that. Just pre-order one, or if you have like friends and family that also want one, then maybe maybe shell out a different pre-order. That's probably what I'm going to be doing. 
Um, cause I, I, I just basically kept an eye out. Like whenever NES classics would like go up on Amazon or anything, I just order one because I had a lot of friends and family that were like, oh, I'd really like to get one of those. So I just like had a list. <laughs> it's like, all right, I found one. Uh, all right. All right, Rob, you want this? Cool. Okay. And I'll cross your name up the list, move to the next person. Yeah. As, lo as long as it doesn't get to the point that we have ThinkGeek buying up the entire supply and selling it in those bundles for three times the price. Yeah, that was weird. That was quite weird. I am very scared about the the concept of being a flipper for a SNES Classic because I, I keep thinking back to the people who bulked up on Amiibo and then held on to them for too long. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot more of an unknown. Well, I think really, if you're a flipper for the, why, why are we talking about? It? I don't want to encourage these people, but like you gotta, you gotta sell your stock ASAP um, yeah. if if you're if you're flipping the, the SNES Classic because I think there is a, I, I think there is a, you know, probably fifty fifty chance maybe that like Nintendo actually won't screw this one up. Um, I've been wrong before, uh, but I I would hope I would hope to to Lord Waluigi himself that. Nintendo actually has some idea of how to stock the the Super Nintendo Classic to get close to meeting demand, right. because they did the exact opposite of that with the NES Classic, and they really got caught with their pants down with that thing. Mm. Sure, sure. I, I think that's all we can talk about for one little little tweet Nintendo sent out. Um, it wasn't even a tweet; it was like a Facebook post. Yeah, that's where all the news comes out of Nintendo first. It's it's always I mean, the Facebook. I mean, I'm really glad that they actually said something. They should have said this, like, at launch. Um, I don't know why. I mean, I guess maybe it's because maybe they didn't have it all locked down with, with like, retail partners and stuff. I mean, Yeah, Walmart. maybe they didn't know. They might not have known. And it might, might have also been maybe the backlash to the Walmart stuff was like, okay, no, we need to all be on the same page with this, and I guess we actually have to have pre-orders. Like, I don't know what the plans were in this case. If, like, this was the plan from before the thing was announced or if it just happened in light of the Walmart disaster. Sure, sure. All right. Persona Q got announced this morning. Persona Q2. It is going to be based on Persona 5. Presumably, it's going to be in the same vein as the previous Persona Q. And it was announced alongside uh, a Persona 3 and a Persona 5 Dancing All Night game, or two games that are both coming out spring next year on PS4 and Vita. But we know nothing about Persona Q2 other than it's Persona 5. And that it's coming to 3DS. Yeah, and it's basically. coming to 3DS. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm hyped for this. Uh, I I really love Persona 5. As you can, if you dig back into our Patreon archives, you can see a review I did for that. And yeah. there was a, and I quite enjoyed the original Persona Q. I would love to see the um, the character interactions that would ensue if this was a P4 and P5 crossover. Because you have an investigation team on one side and a group of phantom thieves on the other. But I think they're probably going to... I don't know if they would stick it after the events of P5 or if this would just be a like non-canon or sort of canon, but not really canon, not really mentioned spin-off thing like the original Q was. I, yeah. I own Q and I still haven't played it. But it's been like... It's been on the top of my 3DS home menu. I was expecting to play it when I got really, really sad that Etrian Odyssey 5 wasn't coming out, but now like that's due out in the fall, so I think I can hold out to get my Etrian on until then. 
Well, yeah, but then what are you going to do afterwards? Because it because it seems like this is probably going to be the last game of its type. Um, I mean, I don't know. I hope that Adrian Odyssey doesn't just die after the fifth one. Hmm. Although, like, there was there was a year where like they had, like three X-rated games came out in a year. That's crazy. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, because I think it was like Mystery Dungeon and four. Um. Uh, they, was, well, they, I think it was four. They, four came out in like February, and then Untold came out in fall that year. And then I think Mystery Dungeon, I think, like in summer ish. No, Mystery no, Dungeon I, and Untold Two came out within months of each other. And I think Persona Q was like the the holiday before those two. Yeah, that's that's the one. Okay. Okay. So not in a calendar year, but in in a year span, three Etrian games came out or train style games my response to you donald uh asking about the timeline is to remember when the persona 4 spinoffs came out every single one took place confidently after the end of persona 4 golden if i remember right and in addition to uh, in addition to that i think they would save the fun crossover stuff for whatever fighting game they're probably going to do in two to three years I like how formulaic the the like persona releases have gotten. Like there will be like a per- Persona Five Platinum coming out in like two years, mm-hmm. um, and then they'll have the fighting game, and then maybe they'll do another dancing game. Um, I mean, it's the Fire Emblem. Are... It's yeah. Fire Emblem now. Like, I mean, it's also so yeah, it kind of clicked in the same way as Fire Emblem as well, where like that you have these two series that had been around for a while and they finally had a release that just clicked with the mainstream more and and then Nintendo and Atlas were just like keep going keep going it'll die eventually but let's just make as much money as we can before it happens yeah it, it's funny because Awakening for that's for Fire Emblem was seen as a complete revitalization of the series for Persona 5 it sold way better than any other Persona game as far as I know except that for many people, Persona 5 was actually seen as a critical disappointment to some extent, with the exception of some people like you, Donald. Well, I I think that Persona 5, like, it depends on who you ask, because, I mean, I don't even know what the Metacritic is for Persona 5. It's 90-something. It's, it's crazy. It, it's, but I think I mean, the public reaction was way soured. Yeah. It's I mid-90s, but then thing between uh, questionable things that were done with the localization and the streaming policy that kind of soured a lot of people on the game. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I have heard people be a little let down by it, but I've also heard a lot of people say it's their favorite RPG of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think even if, even if they're, you know, people value four higher than five or whatever, like I think it's kind of weird to call persona five, a critical disappointment, not um, a critical disappointment. I would call to some segment of the audience that is not insignificant to a loud portion of the audience but but fire emblem awakening is the same way because fire emblem awakening was very different from what came before and i think that i think that it probably much like persona 5 awakening got attracted a much wider audience and made that wider audience a lot happier but there was still the, the smaller diehard audience that maybe wasn't as wowed by, the, by Awakening the, changes or Persona 5's changes. Yeah, the, the people who played like GBA Fire Emblem or Path of Radiance, Radiant Dawn, they, um, they're they not big fans of Awakening. I know I've interacted a lot with them in recent months, but um, 
the the larger fan base and the one that makes the most money is the ones that are the ones that love Awakening, and we're seeing that now with Persona Five as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's Persona Q. I'm I'm very curious to see how the two dancing games play out on PS4 and Vita because it seems like they have two games coming out at the exact same time that are not mere versions of each other because they have to have different song lists because it's two different games. And uh, I'm very curious if the scale of these games is going to be smaller than Persona 4 dancing all night. I don't know. I don't know. Spring 2018 for those. This one's probably going to be late 2018 or early 2019. U.S. version will probably be six to eight months later. I think that I think Persona Q was Persona Q was, was was I think really tight. Like I think it was like three months. Oh wow! No, it, it was like Ju- it was June in in Japan and then November for oh, okay. America. Okay. I remember because I that was the first time I actually had met uh, John Harden, who used to do PR for Atlas. Hmm. Was I had a question about Persona Q, especially coming off of uh, some of the character design choices in Untold. I wanted to make sure they weren't. Um, how does the term go? Lewd the lolly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and no, they did not put Nanako in in a uh, dancer outfit. So <laughs> good. <laughs> Resident Evil Revelations games, both coming to Switch later this year. It's a download code. So, okay, so it's going to receive a physical release in North America with Revelations 1 on a card and a download code for 2 in the box for $39.99, or they can be purchased separately on the eShop for $19.99 each. That's really weird to me, and I don't think I like that. Um, I mean, I think part of that is because uh, the Resident Evil... I mean, I guess this might not be a good explanation, but I think this might be the explanation, is that uh, this is kind of a similar release to Resident Evil Revelations coming out on disc um, on Xbox One and PS4 later this month. And Revelations 2 is already on both of those platforms, so I think maybe they're just marketing this as... It being like like the card is just Resident Evil Revelations one, um, because that that is in line with what is on PS4 and Xbox One. Also, Revelations one is a huge game in terms of file size. Like I think it was the biggest game on the 3DS prior to Bravely Default, and and the HD versions, especially if they're doing 1080p graphics, are going to be way bigger. So it may just be a matter of they cannot fit both of those games on one Switch card, even at the highest capacity Nintendo offers right now, which I think is 32 gigs. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Revelations 1, if I remember it correctly, is basically the triple deluxe of the Resident Evil 4 and 5 and 6 series. And it just, it seems weird to push these games two generations forward because I remember this game doing well, Revelations 1, but I don't remember it doing that well. I think it did really well. Really? Okay. I think it it did really well and well there there's some question about the numbers that Capcom is seeing on Switch as it, you know shipped versus sold but they got paid so why not do, dip another toe in and see how uh, Resident Evil will perform on the platform. Right. Especially with one that started out on on Nintendo systems anyway. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's a good game. Um, I don't know how excited I, I would be to replay Revelations, but I never played Revelations 2. So I might buy... I mean, 
Also, not really buying a lot of physical games, period, on Switch, I've realized. Like, not like I bought some at launch, and that was it. Um, and I got Cave Story. But I, I might just get Re- Revelations 2 download um, when it comes out on Switch. And probably not bother with Revelations 1 unless, like, I don't know, someone gets me to come back for that online multiplayer. Was that, was that multiplayer that was in 1 in 2 at all? I think 2 was just an episodic straight story release. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I just I was curious. Mm-hmm. Chair Goblin asks in the chat, "Do you think Switch card capacity is a problem for third parties?" I think capacity, no, for the most part, but cost, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Kirby 25th anniversary sale. It's it's happening in the eShop. It's a lot of 25 percent off sales. Some of the highlights. Return to Dreamland on Wii U, which is my favorite Kirby game, $14.99 from $20. You also have Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, $5.24, Kirby's Adventure for $3.74. The more interesting ones, I would say, are on 3DS with Triple Deluxe for $14.99, which is a fine price for that game, and Kirby Planet Robobo for $29.99. And I really think it's time for that game to to get a twenty dollar sale, like to get Nintendo selected like its cousin did, or Absolutely. I guess its older brother. Yeah, I think later this year it it should totally get a Nintendo Select. That and Paper Jam should definitely be in the next wave. That pa- that Paper Jam, and you know what really needs one? Fire Emblem Awakening. We were talking about it earlier. Um, that could be an easy way to get things out. And really, there's enough DLC in that game if you want to go for it that dropping the base game to 20 bucks at this point should probably be a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I tried to look it up going, going back to Resident Evil Relations. It looks like the 3DS game uh, was 4 gigs, and I found the Xbox 360 file size is 7.8 gigs. So, I mean, that's big. Like, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think... I think that one was like 720 though. So if they're doing 1080, uh, okay, yeah, that's like increase in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're you're right. I guess I mean, I think you can like pre-order on Xbox One, but I don't know if I care enough to to do that much more thinking about this. Um, either way, we're only getting Revelations one on a card, and we're not getting both of them on one. So two generations later, two or actually, mm, I guess one console generation later. But, but kind of one and a half, you have Revelations 1 still coming out as, as a physical card release, which is impressive. I got my uh, my birthday email from Nintendo. It's it's not for a little while, so it's, it's, it's not a big deal. But I got the birthday email for the 30% off, and I was hoping that for some reason I would be able to stack Kirby Planet Robobo's $29.99 sale with a 30% off and get it for $21.99, which would be a great deal for what some people are calling one of the best 3DS games, except, one, the birthday email did not actually grant me the discount. Uh, It does not stack with sale games. So if I want, I can get Paper Jam for like $28, or I can get... uh, What's what's the new one? Color Splash for maybe $43, $44, which is okay, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. That's 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 just a little. I would say avoid color splash, but that's just me. So, did you did you play it? 
Um, yeah, because we got we got a physical copy for the review. So before I sent, I forgot. I think Matt West was reviewing it. Um, but before we before I sent it out for review, uh, I played a couple hours of it, and I hate the combat in that game with a dying passion. Okay, so it's not uh, like the Passion of a Thousand Sons. I don't know. I, I'm, it's hot. Mm. So so it, it's not like Sticker Star where people called it like, oh, it's so horrible. But then you play it and it's like, no, it's disappointing, but it's still like a decent game for like well, 70 to 80% of it. See, the thing that I had with Color Splash is it looks beautiful. Um, I really like the world. The, the setup's really fun too. Um, what bothered me most about it was the battles. Because mm-hmm. uh, it seemed, it was like, like imagine if they made Sticker Stars battles feel more pointless. Ugh, like like that's that's what it was, and it was all like there were so many clicks involved. There was an option that I that I stumbled upon a little later on that like you can make it so you don't need to because it's like the kind of thing where like you select a card, then you have to paint your card, then you need to tap your card again to to put it back on the TV, and then you need to flick it like, and that would be like, and you hit them with a hammer once. Um, yeah, it because there I I just abused the roulette mode for the battles because that would give me a full card all the time anyway and i and i believe and i was able to do the battles without using the touchscreen at all like you could button control the whole thing mm-hmm. i have a theory that... uh, about uh intelligence systems that they've essentially pulled the telltale where they have so many projects going on at once where a lot of their projects have started suffer suffering because their attention is divided between so many different games. I just think Color Splash sucks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Color Splash is, is a bad game. Maybe well, I won't I mean, get it. Well, I, I, and I think the problem with Color Splash is maybe not like their, their attention is spread too thin, but that like they have this mindset of what a Paper Mario game should be, and they keep and on barking. wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like they keep on barking up this tree and like, Having having read interviews of how they're like, this is why we did this. I'm like, okay, like you presented a case. I don't think it's a strong or compelling one, but like I understand why you made Sticker Star, why you made Color Splash. It's just that I don't like either of those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's sure. it's kind of weird that I think, like I'm looking at Mario and Rabbids. And that has the potential to be probably my favorite Mario RPG of the past decade. Um, just because, like, I don't know, it's not just the same shit over and over again. And it's not, like, becoming this weird adventure game amalgam that makes you have play interminable battles all the time. Um, it's been I, rough goings since Bowser's... Inside Story, not yeah. including Bowser's Inside Story, but all the games since then. Yeah, I mean Bowser's Inside Story is, is a fantastic game, and I I still well Paper Jam like I I think I'm still I accept that Paper Jam is mediocre, but I went in there with basically no expectations and came away like I I dropped like twenty thirty hours in that game and had a good time, um, but I wouldn't call Paper Jam like amazing. It was just it was fun, it was competent. Mm-hmm. Ms. Ms. K3 agrees with you. He says Paper Jam is the better video game. Yeah, it is. Although it doesn't look as good. Color Splash looks beautiful. I wish they would make a good game with Color Splash's art style. It and sounds, they, it sounds like it's a did. good game. Like, like, it sounds like it's almost there except for yeah. the combat. I mean, that's because those people making Paper Mario games, guess what? They're pretty good at making video games. They're 
just making bad video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Donald, tell me about this 2K business. Okay, so 2K had their earnings call today, or I guess Take-Two Interactive, their parent company. And they put out their release slate for the next, basically the next calendar year, because it goes to Red Dead Redemption 2. One thing that came out, or two things that came out from that. One, the WWE game, which originally we thought was going to come out day and date, with uh, the PS4 and Xbox One versions on Switch, that is going to be later in the fall, so probably early November, maybe. Which, not as bad as the PC version if they're doing that, but still a bit of a bummer. The other thing is that the NBA 2K18 is going to come out on Switch digitally the same day as the PS4 and Xbox One games do, September 19th, but the physical version is going to be later in the fall. Hmm. Okay. So, so for I don't know if it's a matter of you know cost of getting it onto a Switch card between now and end of you know September nineteenth or fifteenth because they do the the four day early pre-orders. But yeah, for whatever reason, the only way to get NBA digital or get on Switch on launch day for the rest of the world is going to be digitally. Yeah, like that's that's disappointing. I can kind of understand why it happened. I mean, because Switch cards are kind of a great unknown uh, to a lot of companies right now. And the fact of the matter is, is that the cards are, like, more difficult to produce than than discs. Like, discs are, there's kind of a proven system for making those, and that's pretty easy to do. Uh, with cards, like, they're proprietary, you have to go through Nintendo, it takes time, et cetera, et cetera. Like, more, more costly. Um, and I don't know. Like, I, I, I guess if, like, that's the reason for it, which I assume it is, like, I understand, but it just sucks because I was kind of, like, because I don't know how long I'm going to play the NBA game. I didn't really want to go digital. So I think I, I like, if if this came out physical in September, I would probably buy it day one. Um, if it's digital, I don't think I'm getting it right away. I think I, I might hold on until the physical release. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely holding out, but that's because even even with the Canadian dollar improving, it's still probably going to be seventy five bucks digitally, and I'm getting the physical for fifty. Yeah, yeah, wait for that. Cool. It's it's kind of a shame that it's launching digitally because they pushed NBA Two K eighteen as one of the main Switch games. Like it's it's one of it sort of it helped carry the vision of the Switch. Yeah, I mean it's still coming people. out, like, yeah. and just digitally, which I mean, it just that means the lack of visibility in stores, et cetera, et cetera. In my case, like, I, I don't have the ability to sell it back if I don't get that into the basketball game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does. I mean, from what I've heard, like, this isn't like, you know, like they're, they're shitting out a port. Like, this is as far as I know. Like, the main two K team is is working on specifically on the Switch version. I mean, as well as with the other versions, like it should, it should be a decent, maybe good version of what has been the best basketball game bar none for a number of years. All I'll say is that, do you guys know that feeling when you think about Nintendo third party support? And it's this like very slight, vague feeling in your gut that's generally negative in nature. The you think what's what's the other shoe that's going to drop for this thing? 
Yeah, it, like like WWE not coming out day and date. My uh, <laughs> my gut that spoke to me very directly with the Wii U and 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 in the early goings of the 3DS is still speaking to me on the Switch that third-party support on the Switch is not going to be as good as PS4 and Xbox One, and it never will be. And it's it's this very slightly gross feeling in my chest that I don't like, but I'm starting to just swallow it down at this point. I think... I, I don't think that the book has been written on what third-party support will be on on the Switch. I, I mean, I'm... A lot of people keep on saying stuff about how, like, oh, all these companies should have been on board day one. Like, look at the Switch. It's almost at 5 million units in, like, four months. Um, and, like, that is very good. But if you're a third-party company, and, and this probably, it's it's not just it's not just on your, on your Capcoms and your 2Ks, on your EAs, Ubisoft, Activisions. It's not all on them. It's also a lot on Nintendo, too, because it's the way they've always acted towards third parties and how third parties have acted towards them. It's uh, It takes two to make a shitty third-party situation. Um, and I think you did have a lot of people kind of reticent. I mean, I'm sure Nintendo extended Olive Branches trying to get what they could. I mean, look at, like, Mario and Rabbids, like, NBA 2K, like, yeah, this is unfortunate with the physical version, but, like, 2K clearly was brought on board on the earlier side um, to make the basketball game for it. And Skyrim from Bethesda. Yeah. Really uh, Nintendo Although weird, weirdly enough, Skyrim from Bethesda is a Nintendo game right now because yeah. uh, Nintendo is publishing that. I think worldwide. Yeah. Um, but but I, like with third party support, I think that the more interesting thing and what might make hopefully that feeling in your gut maybe be be less of an issue. I don't think it'll ever totally go away because I don't think we're ever going to be in total parity between. Switch and PS4 and Xbox One, but I think that 2018, if people come out, if if third parties come out then and give like a more earnest try than they're giving now, um, then then that will be that'll be the proving ground, because right now like Nintendo has done their part. The system is selling, you know, first party lineup strong. Now the third parties need to need to show up and deliver and and the ones that have already announced stuff, you know, follow through with that. And I don't know, try to get to a point and I'm not, I'm not blaming the companies for doing this, but get to a point. So we don't have rhyme coming to switch three months later. So we don't have WWE coming out sometime after the release of it on PS4 and Xbox one. So we don't have resident evil revelations coming out three months later or whatever, after it comes out on PS4 and Xbox one. Like, that's the kind of thing that will always kind of put that Switch version as second fiddle, even if there's kind of this big appeal towards being able to play it everywhere you go, which I think is probably part of the reason why Nintendo had that element of the system and is trumpeting it, because you might get people waiting for these these Switch versions of games. Like, I've kind of gotten to that point where, um, with Rhyme, Rhyme is a game that I was looking forward to. I'm waiting for the Switch version, um, whenever that will come. I think right now we're we're looking at three months since it came out on other platforms. Uh, even Disney Afternoon Collection, that's a game that isn't announced for Switch, probably isn't coming to Switch, but I'm very stubborn, and I'm not buying that on other platforms because I'm like, well, the Switch version comes out, I'd rather play it there. Ms. K3 notes, still waiting for Yuka. Yeah. And I yeah. think I actually think with ukulele, because um, we I, I had that article kind of uh, I don't know was it sometime in July, 
um, where I went back and kind of tried to track down information on some of those some of those games that were in that Nindy Direct back right before the Switch launched. And I think what happened with Ukulele is that it came out and people were mad. Uh, so I think that that Switch version has been kind of held up a little bit because they're making the game that like the game came out. A lot of people were mad about it. There were issues. People were unhappy. And that Switch version will hopefully benefit for it and that when it comes out, it will be a better game. I think that if, if Ukulele came out in April and was like, it was like, oh, it's perfect. Everybody loves it. I think that Switch version would have been out by now. But I think that because there were other problems, uh, because they kind of don't have that. There isn't necessarily like, a, oh, you need to get this game out right now. You can kind of sit on it, and hopefully when Ukulele hits Switch, it'll be a better game than it was when it hit other platforms. And I think the the portability factor and the fact that they have to use cards for it because we've seen what happens when you use discs on on a portable system. It's a nightmare. I think part of that is, the, is part of the issue as to why sometimes these things will happen with cart with games getting delayed. Mm-hmm. I think there's an interesting parallel to be made. Dale points out that Ukulele got a light case of Mighty Number no. Nine. I think I think Mighty Number no. Nine uh, can be compared unfavorably to Shovel Knight in the same way that Ukulele can be compared unfavorably to the Crash Bandicoot trilogy, and that you have. But Crash Bandicoot wasn't a crowdfunded game. It's that's true. I mean that that part it doesn't compare favorably. But I think in in the case of Crash Bandicoot, it remade those games. Uh, Vicarious Visions remade those games as you remember playing the original Crash Bandicoot Black back in the day. It didn't actually make Crash Bandicoot 1 again exactly as it existed. In the same way that uh, Shovel Knight made the 2D platformer as you remember it, not as those games actually hold up today. Uh, and Mighty Number no. Nine, and although in that case it was just a, a yeah, I was gonna say like my, Mighty Number no. Nine was just a piece of shit. Yeah, it, I but never you, played it. I mean, the was, crazy thing with yeah. Ukulele is that I, I looked into a lot of the criticism of it, and like I'm like, ah, oh, that probably would suck. But I'll probably still buy it when it comes to Switch. Um, it's okay. I, I I played that. It was it's they made a three uh and sixty four yeah. platformer. I like that's the thing. It's like. I might come away from that game being like, well, that wasn't that good, but like, I kind of, I, I, I'd like those games growing up. So I want to play that. Even if like, I kind of know that I might go into it and come away with it being like, eh, why did I spend my time on that? I do a cherry goblin in the chat said, uh, nothing's changed with Western third parties. doesn't matter how popular switch is. And I say to that, like, give it a year. Then, then we'll know. See, see how FIFA does see how NBA does. Um, Weird that, you know, everybody was crapping on EA for FIFA and being like, hey, 2K is doing it right. But unless unless EA announces something tomorrow saying that FIFA is not going to be have a physical release on day and date, FIFA is going to have a release, a physical release day and date. So, And EA already had their earnings call, so I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Also, um, according to a Twitter poll, 62% of people surveyed are on Team Jared when it comes to that SNES Classic Battle Royale. <laughs> there is a poll on our Twitter page right now. You can go vote. I'm gonna go vote. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on Team Jared. Um, it's it's very interesting. Ukulele is a three stick, uh, an N64 
3D platformer that starts relatively strong and then shits the bed halfway through. And you know what other games do that? Every single 3D platformer from the N64 era <laughs> has an extremely strong opening and then completely shits the bed at the 50% mark. Banjo-Kazooie 1, Banjo-Tooie, and Donkey Kong 64, although that game was slightly rougher. And you know what else? Mario 64 more than you want to believe. That's why the that's why you can go beat the game when you have when you're just over the 50% mark. Um I, I think Mario 64 is still a fantastic game. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I think the hard levels in Mario 64 aged way worse than the easy levels in Mario 64. I mean, I think that just a little bit uh precision in the N64 era. I guess maybe just precision has evolved a whole lot in 20 years. Um, Did you just tell him to geek good? Well, no, no, no. It, it's more that, I mean, I guess yes, a little bit. But, like, with those early 3D games, being precise, like, was hard. Was really hard in some cases. And that was just, like, a limitation of the game design. Whereas now, like, things make more sense as, as like, you know, 3D graphics have evolved. But, yeah. I don't know. Was, I mean, Mario Mario 64 works best as a sandbox game, and those early levels in that game are sandbox levels, so that's where it works best. And then when you get to, like, okay, you need to do all these crazy jumps real fast, like, yeah, it's not a sandbox game as much. I didn't have a problem with the jumps in that game. It's the flying that really irked me. I think the best I'll ever the flying, do... The flying does kind of suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, the best I will ever do without... Uh, save states of some sort is 118 stars because the the two wing cap required stars that are special i can't do them because what because there's that one there's that one when you like look up in the like the the light in the where you get yeah in in the stage where you hit where you activate the wing cap blocks and then there's and then there's the second one that's like extreme it's right like right next to Rainbow Ride or just across the hallway. Okay, from. yeah, that, that, that one's a that one's a pain in the ass. The, the first one, I I because I, I what was it when it like two years ago I played a bunch of Mario sixty four and like that first wing cap thing was way more frustrating than I remember. Um, I did do the first one, I did not do the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ms. K three says Banjo one is perfect. I say the first half of that game is great. The second half of that game, not so much. I think both of those banjo games are pretty good. Sure, and then like the platforming is uh, for that era, like like it's the peak of that era's platforming. I just think a lot of N sixty four platformers, as you said, struggled when it came to actual precision platforming. Yeah, which is why I say I, games falter in their latter half. Granted, I played those games uh, more as an adult than I played them when I was. 12, 13, 14, which, which means that I was kind of using more modern standards to approach those games. I, I find the first level in Mario 64 a designed thing. I find Peach's Castle to be an impeccably designed sandbox for that era. But when you get into like the TikTok clock stuff in 64 oh, so cool. and the water level, get nauseated and like the camera starts wonking out on me like the N64 controller that much <laughs> in, in the like, modern times. I, st- I struggle with it. Maybe I need to get good, but 
I'm, I'm good at plenty of other games. I mean, Dark Souls isn't necessarily the hardest game ever, but I've, I've beaten like five of those. It's just this that I can't, I can't deal with. I think, I mean, with Mario 64, like the camera stuff is annoying, but when you compare it to like any camera that followed it for like a decade, it's amazing. <laughs> Like, like that they did it the first fucking time and almost got it and, and got it basically as good as anyone else could do it for for almost a decade. Cherry Goblin says Super Mario Galaxy 2 over Mario 64 and adds if you really uh, think about it and uh, 64 games are crap and I wouldn't go that far. Galaxy 2 got brought up, didn't it? Galaxy it- 2 one of my least favorite 3D Mario games by a large margin. Yeah, I actually compare that game quite negatively to Pokemon Black and White 2 and that it's a sequel to a game that already did it almost perfectly, in, in my yeah, like, opinion. And it's like, like it's the sequel, so the spirit's not there as much. I, I, I wish, thinking about it and, and having revisited Galaxy 1 and Galaxy 2 in the past couple of years... Um, I wish that like Galaxy Two was just a DLC pack for Galaxy One, because I think part of that is that like I I played the crap out of Galaxy. Like I think I yeah, I got like what because you, you could play through that as Mario and then play through it as Luigi, and it was like two hundred forty two stars. I got all that shit. Got to Galaxy Two and I got to a point where I was like, oh, I I think I'd rather just go back and like play Mario sixty four and Galaxy One. Like I don't need like the Yoshi Yoshi was cool. Some of the new power ups were fun, but like. If that was just like a 30 star expansion to the first galaxy, I probably would have been a lot happier. Mm. And also, yes, the hub, the hub world in Galaxy mm. One added way more than I ever thought it would compared to like the stupid Mario ship face that's in Galaxy Two. Miss mm. K3 says he likes Galaxy One better. I continue to think that 3D Land is the peak of Mario 3D platforming. I, I mean, I think Mario 64 is is the best. Okay. I, I guess that means that there's a lot of good Mario 3D platforming yeah, games. And, when, and whenever I get to the point, whenever like I get boxed into a corner and have to crap on Galaxy 2, like Galaxy 2 is still an incredible game. It's just that I like Galaxy 1, 64, 3D Land, probably even 3D World more than it. Uh, Sunshine. I think I, I think I like the spirit of Sunshine more than Galaxy 2. I don't know if I think Sunshine is that much of a better game. Mm-hmm. Okay. 3D World, I need to replay because I I did not enjoy 3D World so much when I played it the first time, and I did not remotely see what anyone else saw in it because, frankly, I thought that game just felt wrong to play to me. Like, like the, plat- the Mario 3D platforming just felt off to me in a way that it did not feel for any other game in that series. I don't think it's just 3D Land, but better. I think it's a completely different game. Oh, I mean, it's completely it's, the it's, same it's, game in a bad way. <laughs> it's a multiplayer game. Like that's the thing about 3D World that I think kind of bugs me is that it's it's designed to be a multiplayer game. And when you're playing it in multiplayer, if you get the right group together, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that game. Like I mean, I think that the new Super Mario Brothers, Wii and You, the multiplayer stuff there is really fun. And I think 3D World takes what worked about that and makes it even better. Uh, like, the cat suit's great, but when you're playing it through it in single player, like, the stages are, like, weirdly big because they're meant to hold four people. Um, and that's that's just something that, like, kind of bothered me as I worked my way through that game. And it is, like, that's a, that's a fantastic game. 
but it's just that like it it's made to be a multiplayer game not a single player game mm-hmm. okay we have a couple last minute things to talk about one neil you played Layton's mystery journey catriel and the millionaire's conspiracy on mobile which is the game that's coming to 3ds later this year and uh, just dropped on mobile a week or two ago um yes yeah yeah so i played through the new Layton game and i was very excited to do so um i you can i think i reviewed Layton two and three maybe four i don't know i i know i definitely reviewed two the diabolical box but i I played. I have played every latent game except for the Phoenix Bright crossover, and I never finished Asmund Legacy, the the most recent one. Uh, but I love those games. I really enjoyed them over the years. And playing Layton's Mystery Journey, I was excited to jump back into it. And for most of that game, or I guess most of what was in that game, I really enjoyed. Like the puzzles are fun. I think that the puzzles seem to skew a little easier which might be because they are going for a broader audience with it having being on mobile. It's on mobile now worldwide. It's on 3DS in Japan right now, and it will be coming to 3DS in, like, I think October is what they were saying. Yeah. Um, and, and like, it's, it's, it's got the puzzles that you would expect from a latent game, and it has some new things where, like, um, uh, Pickerats, for example, now go down... Uh, you can go down four times instead of... Or, like, lose... lose lose four wrong answers as opposed to losing two. Um, there's new mini games. Like there's, there's one where you have to like plan routes for people, which I had some fun with, but the structure of the game really bugs me. So instead of having like, you know, uh, in this case, Layton's daughter strolling up in like some weird town and being like, okay, this guy says he's a, a vampire for some reason, or like, look like my, my, my ward, I got a letter from his future self telling me I need to come here in this friggin' time machine. Like, instead of having those bonkers setups, the game is split into 12 distinct cases, which vary in length. Like, I think I finished one of them in, like, a half hour, maybe less. Um, it was, it was like, a lunch at work. I started a case and finished it. and was like, okay, that, that wasn't that long. I still had time left during my lunch hour. Um, but so there's these 12 cases that are, like, kind of, like, a lot more tongue-in-cheap and goofy than Layton usually is, because Layton, there's there's a real earnestness about the story in, the, in those games, that even as, like, there's a puzzle where you put together a casino, or, like, a, a slot machine as a gun, and, like, then Layton shoots a slot machine like a gun, it's still kind of played straight, and I felt that a lot of the stuff in, in Layton's mystery journey, especially early on, was just, like, played to be, uh, like, broad goofiness. And there is a payoff. Like, they do have, like, the the kind of, like, overwrought, emotionally resonant thing near the end. And the whole millionaire's conspiracy plays into it. There's, like, this group of, yeah, like, I think it's, like, um, the, 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 the dragons of London. And they have a conspiracy. Guess what? Uh, play the game to find out what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that case structure kind of lost me at a certain point. Because I would rather have them building... I would rather have them from the word go building up this millionaire's conspiracy or whatever the, the overriding plot is because by the time they get to a point where they are building it up, I like, like it, it was the back half of the game. Um, 
And the characters just seem like a lot of them are like ripping off archetypes that were in previous latent games. They didn't feel terribly original. Probably the best thing is that for some reason there's a dog that can talk. Mm. Um, and like he talks like you might expect Detective Pikachu to talk like. Um, not Danny DeVito, but like it, <laughs> it, it was like generic voice. Um, yeah. But like I, I, I don't know. Like I enjoyed it. It's a latent game, but I don't think it's a top tier latent game. I would probably put it on the level of of Miracle Mask, which I thought was one of the the, the worst latent games that I played. Um, was late? Was Miracle Mask six or five? That was five. Five. I, five I never was the first three DS one. Yeah, the, the, I'll also point out that similarly, all, all the Azran stuff in five and six kind of lost me as well. Like I. It pisses me off because I feel like a future Layton's Mystery Journey game, like I, I like the character of Catriel, like Layton's daughter, like uh, I guess to kind of set up at the start of the game, um, like we don't know where Professor Layton is. Like I want to know where Professor Layton is. Let's get to that. Like what's Luke up to? Like the, you, you have this really cool universe and it seems like they ignored most of it except for the periphery stuff. Like, like Granny Riddleton shows up again because, of course, she would. Mm-hmm. I call the brisker pace probably. It's it sounds like it has a brisker pace, which I enjoy yeah. because I played Miracle Mask and the first game, and those are the only two games in the series I've played to some extent. And I dropped Miracle Mask very quickly because Layton games have a tendency to get long winded. I kind of that kind of lose me because sometimes I just want to get to the puzzles and I, 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 it sounds like this game does a little more of that. Yeah. Like I think if if that's, if, if you don't really care that much about the story and you just want raw puzzles, uh, this might be one to pick up because it is, it is, I mean, and and it depends on like how you play games. Like I, I think if, if I had my druthers, I probably would have waited until 3ds, but I was really curious and wanted to see how it worked on mobile and it works totally fine on mobile. It's just more how I play games more is I'd rather play this game on 3DS. I think that the translation to mobile is almost perfect. Um, there's weirdness with saving because it still like saves like lane games do where like you have to manually save it. I wish they just had an auto save for mobile because I'm not like, like I deliberately did it because I didn't want to lose progress, but like it's not, it's not really intuitive to be playing a game on your phone and then having to save it every time you back out of it because, like, I how I've ever played mobile games is, okay, I'm doing it, okay, I get to back out of it, like, I'm getting a phone call or, or whatever, or, like, I have to pay attention um, so I can't play this game and ignore you. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. Cool. Right. And, it's, and it's, I guess the pricing might be worth pointing out, uh, it's 16 bucks and you get the whole game. There is DLC that you get new outfits and puzzles, and I have a feeling, so I kind of added, I have a review up on the site, and I added a little addendum that was kind of like a note on a note on the price and the 3DS and the mobile version. Um, I think that the 3DS version will probably be like 30 bucks, but it will include all the DLC. I'm not 100% sure how it works in Japan, but... A lot of quotes from from executives at level five seem to make it seem to make it that it's not like you know the the uh, the mobile version is going to be sixteen bucks and then the three DS version is going to be forty for some reason. I think that the prices are going to make sense more, and uh, I think there is about you know fifteen dollars worth of DLC 
that you can get. So if you just have the 3DS version be 30 bucks and include all the DLC, that's probably totally fine. It, or it's not great, but it's enough to make it so that the people buying it probably won't be that mad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not that, like, I'm not going to, I mean, like, you get, like, you can get a dress that makes it look like Luke. Um, cool. Uh, <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> uh, it is very, it's very cute. And then there's puzzles attached to each of those that you can get. I, I've not gotten any of the DLC, though, so I can't really speak to its quality. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm checking the, because, uh, like, the import sites are selling the physical copies of the 3DS game, because, yeah, that got a physical release in Japan. I don't think it's going to get that here. Just because if if it was still if Nintendo was still publishing it, I think it would. But this seems like something that would get it, that's not going to end up getting physical releases because Level Five doesn't have the capacity for it. They are publishing Yokai Watch Two Psychic Specters. They are. I thought that, that was Nintendo. Is a, that is Level Five. So when it was announced, Nintendo's name was on the box art. Um, then I think around E three. Uh, that box art changed, and it now says level five and does not say Nintendo. And like, like I'm, I'm like ninety nine percent sure that level five is publishing Yokai Watch Two, Psychic Specters. Huh? I mean, they check the game page. Yeah, they are. They are publishing uh, Layton's Mystery Journey as well. Um, Nintendo's not involved with it. I would. I. I don't know if they've confirmed a physical release, but I would be. I think it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that would also be a, an easy way to make like the 16 versus $30 or whatever a little more justifiable because you're getting a physical case and maybe there's a manual in it. Who knows? Right. I bet we're getting Yokai Watch 3 next year and then no Yokai Watch games that come after it. I, I wish I knew how Yokai Watch was doing because I think the TV show is still airing on Disney XD. Like, yeah, and Netflix. Yeah. Also, the Nintendo game page for it, now granted this could be out of date, Nintendo doesn't update these very often, but it does show, still shows Nintendo as the publisher for Yokai Watch Psychic Specters. Alright, so, so we'll see. Uh, Yokai Watch 1, as I recall, did okay, but underwhelming, and then Yokai Watch 2, full question mark. I have no clue how that game would have done. I'm guessing from, uh, I'm thinking from the reaction, it didn't do very well. It, it did well enough to probably cover its cost, but that's it. And the fact that we're getting like there's three major 3DS games in September now coming from Nintendo because they're publishing Monster Hunter yeah. stories yes. and that, that is... Metroid. Okay, yeah, maybe you know what? Because I think Monster Hunter stories. Box art also just says Capcom and doesn't say Nintendo, but Nintendo is publishing that in America and Europe. So maybe they just updated the box art for Yokai Watch 2 to not have their name on it and just have level 5, but they are still handling the publishing duties. Mm. That could be the case. So. But yeah, yeah, I did. I, I have confirmed. Um, I, I think, I don't know if it was 100% confirmed or not, but yes. Um, uh, Nintendo in America and Europe is publishing Monster Hunter stories. Uh, Capcom doesn't have that much to do with it, other than being like, sure, Nintendo, do this. Mm-hmm. There's a demo for that coming out next week. Yep. I'll play that I demo. sure, I, I sure hope it's good. I, I'm not, I'm like 60% confident it's great, 
and like another 60% confident that it's going to be like Yokai Watch 1 and everyone's going to be like, oh, I guess this is okay. Yeah. I think um, we actually have a review of of the Japanese version on the website from a couple, from when it came out in Japan a couple years ago. If, um, if I remember that, I don't know, like when, I, when Monster Hunter Stories was first revealed, I was like, this looks amazing. And I think I remember hearing like, it's not that it's bad, it's just not amazing. Hmm. Uh, but I don't like, I mean, that's the kind of thing, like maybe it'll scratch the monster hunter itch that I, that I want. Like, you know what? Like people crapped on fire Emblem heroes probably for good reason, but you know, I had a really good month or two with that game. Um, people might crap on monster hunter stories for potentially a good reason, but I might, I might have a good month or two with that game. Hmm. All right. So there you go. Monster hunter stories. There's there's one other game I kind of wanted to touch on a teensy teensy tiny bit and that is that we know nothing about pokemon ultra soon ultra sun and ultra moon yet and it is august which i mean what, what this time last year we knew what like 90 percent of all the new pokemon uh, yeah i think i think at this point we were only at about 50 but we got the other 40 percent all, all by the time the game came out <laughs> like i i I would love to just see like the the complete opposite happen with what happened with Sun and Moon, where like we basically like the game came out and if you paid attention, which I'm glad I didn't, but I did look back to see like what you guys bitched about. <laughs> they showed off like the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> although the whole game. Although I think like, I, w- I would, I, but I would love if like Nintendo and the Pokemon Company was just like. All right, for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, let's not say a goddamn thing about the game. Radio silence. <laughs> Which Although, I know isn't the case. Like there will be previews coming out in like September, or October. I'm sure. Um, I, I, I would love. I would love to go hands on with it before it comes out. Like hopefully we'll get the chance. I don't know, but like that would be so funny if they're just like, and it's out now. <laughs> and I think they got it before. We don't even know. <laughs> And they've done this before with sequels. When they when they did Black and White Two, I think it got announced in January for a June release in Japan, and then they basically said nothing for two months. So we but are. If you rem- but I I remember Pokemon Black and White Two very intimately because it was right after I joined the site, and I have never covered a game. Or anything in my in my several years of writing, as I have Pokemon Black and White too, and I, I Neil, you remember that? I, I do remember I, that. I wrote you like nuts. six thousand words of previews just to get that review copy. It's, yep. Uh, and then I, I I did ultimately get it, but what I remember very intimately about Black and White Two is that that was the first game in the Pokemon series where they told you everything about it before it came out. And I, I think, I think we knew, I, I recall knowing a lot about black and, well, yeah, actually, no, you know why I knew a lot about black and white? Because it was already out in Japan before it came out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know what, that's kind of hard to, with Pokemon game, uh, Pokemon games up until recently, it's hard to totally judge the, did they tell us everything or did we just know everything because it was out in Japan for like a year before? Mm-hmm. X and Y. They really told us everything. Mm. I think it was 40 of the 70 Pokemon that they told yeah. us. Although, I think it, it might have been even worse. That's what I, think I, I think they announced it in January, and then they didn't say another thing really about it until, what, March or April? Mm-hmm. 
So we may be on another one of those. Yeah. Because I, I, I think you're right that they probably they pro that they definitely gave away too much. Like they gave away the final forms of the starters. They never do that. Yeah. Or they've um, never done that before. So as we are talking about like when will we next hear about Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon? I do feel like we're getting to a point where uh, countdown to next direct is going to start happening. It's, it's in um, your gut. You, you can feel the tingles. Well, it's also I like Splatoon so. 2 is out now. Like that was like Nintendo doesn't really have, uh, I mean, Mario and Rabbids is, is all Ubisoft. So, I mean, while Nintendo will probably, I'm sure, I mean, Mario is involved. They will do some kind of promotion for that. I would that assume could, that could get a direct. That's, that's not crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. you know, Nintendo and Ubisoft teaming up for it. Like, I mean, they've done, they've done third-party directs in Japan. Have they done any in America? I don't think so. But but anyway, like as far as like a bigger like like the direct that we got, you know, back in April, um, you know, the the digital event, like something like that. I think yeah, the last the last one we had, like the or the I think after E3, the next one we had was September first last year. So yeah. And that would be right in the wheelhouse for when you'd want to pimp Mario and Rabbit. So maybe something in like three weeks from now. Yeah, I could see like last full week of August possibly getting a direct, um, you know, uh, laying out, you know, or going into Mario and Rabbids, um, doing stuff on Pocket, Fire Emblem Warriors release date, showing off something else from Odyssey. Um, you know, Metroid will be out soon. Monster Hunter will be out soon. Like you have a lot of games that are known commodities, and then you can kind of fill in the gaps, announce release yeah. dates for some third parties, follow that same format as the April Direct, um, and then maybe have some surprises for November and December. Um, yeah, not saying, not saying anything big. Like, well, I still think that there is a non-zero chance that Smash Brothers could come out in November. Um, I think it's like a point oh 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 one percent chance. I just, I just. I feel like there's got to be something else for Switch in November, but maybe that's Skyrim and Xenoblade. I don't know. And this, and this, I mean, the 3DS, we have Ultra Sun and Moon with, with fixed dates, but we don't have a date for anything after Odyssey on the Switch. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we have a lot, we, we, we know of games are. coming out then, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like at this point, Nintendo's kind of Switch wise, like they are planning up until Odyssey. And then after that, it's almost like, they kind of did the same thing with Splatoon 2, where back in that like April Direct, they kind of showed everything up until Splatoon 2. Now we're past Splatoon 2, um, and they'll probably have something, uh, you know, reaffirming everything going up until Odyssey, and then starting to unveil what's after Odyssey up until you know January or something. Mm-hmm. And then the second Zelda DLC, uh, Dale just pointed that out in the chat. That is, I mean, that would probably be a November thing as well. Like maybe maybe they're fine for November with just what they've got. It's just that I feel like, yeah, Odyssey's absolute money, but like, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just a changing tide of how they're structuring their holidays. And it's weird to me right now. Games are different now than they were even two, three years ago. The biggest games this year, I would say outside of Mario came out in the first three months of the year. And it, it happened to some extent last year too. And it seems like games are just coming out all the time time and there will still be a summer the way summer is for movies we'll still get some of that in the fall movies coming out happen all around the year now in the same way that the best games are coming out yeah every single month of the year 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're 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 going a little long. So <laughs> how about a tight minute or two on overcooked before we close on Pikmin? Um okay, sorry, I was checking. I was checking my phone. I apologize. I'm playing it playing I, some latent puzzles now. Um yeah, I do oh, it too. Okay. Uh over overcooked is really cool. Um it's it's a dopey cooking game where you have a timer and you have to work with up to three other people to try to um, you know put together ingredients and everything in in like absolute bonkers situations. Like at first, just the normal kitchen. Then you'll have one that's like on a ship where things go back and forth. Um, you'll be on a on like a car um, that then like you'll be working on like the you know in a food truck and then the food truck will break in half or. Maybe you're on like in uh, a glacier and everything's all slipping around and you could fall into the water. Or like there's lava everywhere or you're in space. Uh, there's a lot of ridiculous situations in that game and I, I really enjoy it. Uh, I have found that in the multiplayer, it's kind of hard to get people to stick around because that game's incredibly stressful. Uh, it's not really that much of a party game. Like you need to get people that want to get good at this game and want to play this game, because just throwing people in, being like, "I'll play this cooking game." Like there's a ticking clock, things can go on fire. Like it's nuts. Uh, the one thing with Overcooked on Switch that I have been kind of, uh, I guess, really blown away by. Like I'd, I've heard it came out last year in a lot of other systems, and and people loved it. And I assumed that. Like, I, I was kind of waiting to play it and then heard it got announced for Switch, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll wait for it to come to Switch. Um, the multiplayer stuff is fun. I haven't gotten as deep into that, mainly because I play it with people and then they get stressed out and stop playing. Uh, so for the purposes of the review, I wound up playing a lot more single player, kind of by necessity. But I kind of love the single player uh, in that you just switch between two different chefs. And, and like, you basically, like, you know, we'll set up one to chop something and switch to the other one to then you know, prepare something else. And there's a lot of like, kind of like strategic, strategic movement and like managing like who's doing what. So that way you can make the most efficient use of your time. And there's something about that that's really clicking with me. And I, you know, worked my way through the main story. There's DLC stuff there too, uh, to like kind of mini campaigns. Um, and I've been going through and getting three stars on every level in single player. Uh, I did not expect that to happen. I did not expect to be this into the single player mode of a game. When I first tried the single player mode when it came out, I hated it. And and now it's might be my favorite part of the game. Nice. 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 It, it supposedly doesn't run great. It's... It runs fine for me. So I've been digging into this a little bit. Uh, the frame rate for me, like I, I compared... I compared what was running on my Switch to like footage of like the PS4 version, and it looks like to me, um, on my on my Switch and my setup and everything, it's like the, the you know the PS4 version is running at like 30 frames per second. Like maybe this is like 25 frames per second, but it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, other people are having issues where it's you know will be running at that lower frame rate, and then when there's a lot of stuff going on screen, it will slow down to like 15 frames per second. Um, don't really know what's going on there, but from my experiences with it, it worked totally fine. And it was it was noticeable once I saw what it looked like on other systems, but up until that point, it just, like, it, it worked. I didn't okay. have any issues with it. Got it. Okay. It is, uh, we, we got one more thing to talk about. We will touch on, hey, Pikmin, 
talked about it last week. Neil, where are you in Hey Pikmin? I, um, what do you think? I have a sealed copy of Hey Pikmin that I have okay. not opened yet uh, because I've been working on the, the latent review, the overcooked review while playing Splatoon 2. Got it. Okay. Well, um, I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to play it. The, I liked the demo that I've played. Mm-hmm. Um, so you finished it, though. I finished it. There, there's there's the segue. I beat Hey Pikmin over a few days. I got it for six bucks again during the Prime error. I had no anticipation of buying it because I, I looked at the trailers and I was like, ah, eh, this looks okay, but it's also by Arzest. You kind of left me high and dry on Yoshi's New Island just a little bit. And, and it lo- Hey Pikmin, it didn't look that great to me and it didn't, like, the idea was kind of solid, but I didn't have confidence in the level design. And I, I played it over the course of a few days. It took me about eight and change hours to beat it. And uh, they totally made a Pikmin 2D platformer that plays a lot like Pikmin and a lot like Yoshi's Island. And it's really good. And I would call it the best Arzest Artoon game that I've played, which includes I mean, Yoshi's Island DS. You were just making me. Uh more happy that I bought this game because I, so I first played this back at, there was like a a 2DS XL event in New York back in like May that I went to and I played a demo there and I was kind of like, eh, like it's not terrible, but I don't know if I care. Uh, And then I talked to Don Koopman who, who I think he he reviewed it for game explain, I think. So, so go watch that video. I'm sure his review is good. Um, And he loved it. Like I was talking to him about it and was like, really? Like, didn't seem like it was going to be that great. And he was really digging it. And then Perry wrote the review for us. And I talked to him about it. And he was really digging it, too. So then I finally was like, all right, I'll download the demo that's on the eShop. And I played that. And I'm like, hey, you know what? This this demo was pretty good. Like, the first, like the early level sucked. But that later one that they had in there was real fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I bought it. And I haven't had the time to play it yet. But hearing you also say good things about it. I'm excited to play it. I don't think it's going to be, you know, some groundbreaking game of the year contender, but that's not really what I want from it. I just want to like have the feeling of playing Pikmin and it's okay that it's a side scroller, maybe a little uninspired in its own weird way. Um, It looks like there's goofy dialogue. Like in one of those demo levels, I found a Link's Awakening DX Game Boy cartridge Mm -hmm. as a treasure. And I love Chibi Robo Ziplash. So I'm a sucker for that kind of nonsense. If you love Chibi Robo Ziplash, you're going to get some similar feelings from this game, but it's a much better constructed video game than yeah. Chibi Robo Ziplash was. And then like for for anything you can say, Splash, it had a leveling system that that really got grading after a bit. And uh I I would say P- Hey Pikmin is a Yoshi's Island game that is a little more slower and a little more deliberate, but it's also designed that way. Totally fun. It totally catches the spirit of Pikmin. And what a lot of Arzest Artoon games failed at, that this game does not, is that a lot of Arzest games and Artoon games any heart of any kind, and it felt like they were making games on contract. To a certain like, like extent. basically a paint by number. Like that's what New Island felt like. I don't think New Island was terrible. It just, it, it was, was just okay. like they they riffed on Yoshi's Island and didn't yeah. really bring them much. They were like, we have big eggs now, and you're like, what the fuck's the point of that? No one asked for them. They just <laughs> asked for a good Yoshi's Island sequel. And like and, you, you, you didn't really achieve that. It's okay. 
Like, I don't regret playing Yoshi's New Island. I will never play it again. <laughs> this game is the first RZS game, I would say, that actually has a heart to it. And a real heart. And I had quite a bit of fun. The collecting is pretty fun. The sort of... It's the faux platforming is pretty fun. The boss fights are great. Uh, the game sounds nice. It, it looks it looks decent. It, it runs even like not great on new 3DS, but that's because of how much stuff is on screen at the same time. If there's one criticism I have of the game, it's that it goes on for too long, and some of the levels that it expects to be part of the main campaign, there, there's uh, 10-ish worlds in the game, which is not a spoiler. I'm not going to say the exact number, but I'm going to say there's 10-ish worlds in the game. What they should have done is ended it at 6 and given you like 2 or 3 bonus ones, and instead it sort of makes you play all of them before getting to the credits, and the gameplay is a little too samey sometimes to justify the 40 or 50 levels that are in the game that you have to beat in order to beat it. But other than that, like I think in my tweet, I uh, semi-tongue-in-cheek called it 7.8 out of 10 best <laughs> RZS game. And I, I kind of I stand by that. It's like, it's, it's a 7.8, but it's a good 7.8. There, there's your hate Pikmin. It's it's a fun it's a fun video game. It'll do. Uh, there, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Alright, that's a Nintendo News Report for this week. Thank you very much for watching NintendoWorldReport.com Patreon.com slash NWR to support the website that supports this show. And then also you can follow us at Enron10 Nick at NFR Podcast if you want to hear Donald on another podcast at Pulafia. That's our show. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye.